Today on Launchpad, we've got Scott Long, where we talk about funny business, an abusive childhood, and we find out whether or not we're wearing pants. Today we're here with Scott Long. Welcome to Launchpad, Scott. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, a little background on Scott. He uh, met him after a, it was an indie fringe festival, I think. It's and true. You, uh, you, you were the headliner at a, at it was a, all a one comedy man show. Sh- one man show? Yeah. Is that what it was? And, one man um, show. It was great. And we started bullshitting after the show. And uh, I started ripping into him about the quality of his t-shirts and my, my opinion of, of t-shirts, which... As this show moves forward, I'm sure you'll hear a hundred times. Uh, so we got off onto a great foot, and uh, and then I got a hold of Scott when I was. I'm always always trying to better myself, and I'm like you know, some stand up comedy uh, background would help. And Scott, being a stand up comedian, I, I reached out to him and said, "Hey, um, if you're not still mad at me about being an asshole about your T-shirts, uh, I'd like you to you know give me some uh, pointers on stand up comedy because I think it would help me communicate with." everything from my employees to my investors and uh you know now apply it to this show so i was an enjoyable night too i yeah. came to your your uh, pad and uh, what was your roommate's name warren warren and uh it was really different because i've i've got this thing called bottom line comedy that i'm doing now i hadn't even started that even though i was doing it kind of anyway without having the concept pushed out there but it's to work with people that are not stand-up comics i've taught stand-up comedy many times but this is to people not so much to become you know a star on tv but more like use the principles of communication and humor to connect with your audience selling things just being a more interesting person so i've done this a few times it's always usually fun and uh I really enjoy helping people kind of tap into who they are and we can get more into that. But the specific time when I was at your place, you guys made like this awesome dinner. Yeah. You know, and then we're like, we're the guests of honor. Well, that totally. Well, I don't get that usually. (laughs) It's just like, here's the money. I feel like kind of a prostitute. Just put it on the, on the nightstand. uh, And then we start doing the comedy together but it was like, you know, you kind of wind and dine me first. It was, it was total sweet. bromance. It was a bromance. Yeah, it, was, no. it really was. It was kind of special. And from then on, here we go. We did, uh, you did my podcast. I did. Uh, you're quite the uh, promoter of me because you just went to my celebrity stand-up show that I've done for the, f- this was my fourth year. And you're wearing my actual t-shirt. Not of the quality. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, it's, feel it's, wise, it's, I know you're so itchy. itchy and I just, I don't know what yeah, to well, do. They just wrecked <laughs> any sales of that. It's not made of burlap. It's just not that super, like super soft, uh, t-shirting. Uh, I would agree with your concept on it for anybody who's an entrepreneur, but as a stand-up comedian, I would argue that the lower price model is better. I'm going to wear you down on that eventually because you I know, mean, the more this shirt gets worn it's somebody's favorite shirt, they're talking about this amazing show they went to. It's your billboard, so you want them to have it on as much as humanly possible. You want their girlfriend to sleep in it. You want your next girlfriend to sleep in it. You know, you just the more it's being worn, that. the more it's advertising, and it's worth every penny more. I promise. I can go ahead and uh, and jump in here for a second and just say that there is one way that we can figure this out, and that is, of course, um, you, you always got to test. 
You got to test, right? I mean, that's part yeah. of business. You got to, you know, take the theory I out. I don't know how to do the analytics on it. I really don't. No. I mean, and I have been selling shirts uh, for a long time. That That's just my... Actually, I have a newer one than that one now, which is called uh, Sexy as Bacon. And it's actually got a couple pieces of bacon on it. Because the concept that I have is... Uh, I've turned down opportunities to go to LA or New York to stay in Indianapolis during my career because I feel more comfortable here. But the other thing that I always speak to is when I go to LA, I am like morbidly obese in Los Angeles, (laughs) but here I am like Midwest anorexic. So, um, you combine it. It's like, it's very easy. I like that. So it's nice to be, it's just like what people will tell you. You're kind of a New York type of guy, even though I grew up in Iowa and I've lived in, Indianapolis, basically my whole adult life after college, you should go to New York. You're kind of a New York guy. You're kind of in my, in your face. I'm like, why do I want to be like everybody else? I do not stand out in New York. It doesn't work for you. Yeah, no, not really. Yeah. No. So here I'm like, well, that guy's really a little opinionated, you know, a little too much, but it stands out here versus, you know, just the guy that's your, uh, the guy delivering newspapers is opinionated. The guy that's uh, serving you your coffee or getting your dry cleaning. Everybody's got an opinion in New York where people here are a little more reserved. Yeah. And, and it does help you stand out. And I'm, people, people <clears throat> may be wondering why in the hell we have a stand up comedian on a show about, well, it's supposed to be about business, but, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the very vast majority of comedians are, are self-employed, correct? All, yeah. yeah, all all the stand-up comedians and look, I don't really uh, mince words. Most stand-up comedians that are younger are living in their parents' basement, yep. and most of the uh, ones that have been doing it for quite a while are living in a two-bedroom apartment with their other uh, comic book collecting uh, friend. It's the exact same. It's the exact same line as uh, as any entrepreneur. It really is. Very similar. But then you reach a point where, look, I'm 49 years old now, okay? So do I, and I've got children. And I mean, basically at the age of 38, I just like, okay, I don't want to always be like poor. And I, th- this is a great entrepreneurial, I think, point of view. A friend of mine who books a lot of comics and is a comedian himself I reached out to him the other day because he was bitching about something that was going on. And I'm like, you know what? You are one of the few people I know outside of myself, which, you know, it's all about myself, you know, narcissistic comedian uh, on a podcast who has his own podcast and, <laughs> and, and wants to start his own business. We have hustled. You have started your own business. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got to learn to say things properly in the business world. We're, we both have hustled. We are. <laughs> we both have hustle in our lives. Yeah. If we 25 years ago would have taken this hustle and put it into the business world, we would be rich. We'd be running things somewhere. Yeah. Or you would have failed miserably a couple times by but, now. But we'd have gotten there. Yeah. At this point in my life. But I realize I've busted my ass to get to where I'm at, which is pretty successful comedian in the midwest okay uh and and i'm proud of that but about five years ago when i had my twins i'm like i gotta start making more money (laughs) i can't just rely on being a stand-up comedian 
And the other issue that happens from this is I'm the low man at almost every comedy club that I headline. Think about there's 50 weeks a year, basically at a comedy club because Christmas is not going to be much and July 4th is not going to be much. Okay. So there's 50 people in the whole country that can headline, let's say crackers or Morty's. That's it. 50 in the whole country. Now let's cut it down from there. How many of those are actual comedians? Well, you're going to have people that are uh, Mick Foley's going to come there and talk about professional wrestling, but he's going to be sold as a comedian or some guy that was an actor on Seinfeld, but wasn't Seinfeld will be there for a week. Uh, I heard you're going to have uh, Jamie Kennedy on a future uh, BS production like tomorrow. Well, he didn't start out as a stand-up comedian. He started out as an actor improv guy. Tom Green didn't start out as a stand-up comedian. Steve O's there. So you just start naming yep. off all the um, circus acts, okay? <laughs> yeah, They're not they stand-up comedians, but I would hire them too because you got to make money at these clubs. You're going to hire Dustin Diamond, you know, Screech, not a stand-up comedian. Yeah. But people show up. Is he doing okay now? I mean, no, he's no, not doing no. okay. He cost me a week too recently, so I, I hope he's doing even worse. <laughs> nice. No, no bitterness there. <laughs> None. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is, is it's probably down to about 30 weeks a year. 30 people in the whole country get to play these clubs. How am I going to be one of the 30 they pick when 20, is, 20 of those others have a Comedy Central special? I don't have that. I didn't move. So I'm really concerned about this. There's not a huge history of comedians over 50, really over 40, that are touring the country headlining comedy clubs that aren't famous already. You know, I made a choice. I decided not to move to New York or LA. So I can't blame anybody for this. So instead I started doing a lot of corporate events. I started pushing myself after corporate events in the past year. I took down pretty much everything off of YouTube that was uh, dirty that I had in my act that it's ever been put up there because I could send three clips to a corporate uh, you know, a, a corporation that was going to consider using me for their holiday party. And by the way, hire me for your holiday party. I'm really good at that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, uh, I could tell them that and they're like, Oh yeah. And we like these, these are good. And then they're like, I want to see a little more of this guy. And then it kind of, okay. Um, I'm not, and I tell them, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That's for a comedy club. That's not for... Yeah, they don't get that, though. But yeah. they don't trust it. Yeah. Because everybody in this politically correct world, and who's usually hiring you? The human resource person, yeah. who's just frightened to death that this person's going to say one thing offensive, that they're going to get a lawsuit off, or they're going to get somebody complaining. that wow. how. So ultimately, I decided, okay, I got to take everything off. I got to really position myself this direction i'm still going to do some clubs but i got to kind of go where more of the money's at and the other thing i discovered is since i'm not famous when i go to the comedy club it's like ho hum there's scott long oh we like him he's really funny funnier than a lot of the comedians we have but the week's gonna be a little slower <laughs> we're not paying him that much so we can still make money but no one's excited about seeing me when i do a corporate show they're like, oh my God, you're the comedian? We Once a year we have a co comedian. So you all of a sudden are like their celebrity. Well, you are. Yeah, you That's, are. I finally get treated like a celebrity. <laughs> it's not bad. It really isn't. It sounds amazing. So 
I'm sorry if I take over things. I tend to do that. No, it's fine. It's your show, man. I'm just here so you're not talking to yourself. No, uh, I've been known to do that too, Josh. <laughs> uh, thank you. And uh, when I when I do my own podcast, the Indie Podcast at theindiepodcast.com, I really work hard to we need not a plug talk counter. too much. That's two. Um, our oh last yeah. Guest was like it up at eight. It was fantastic. Oh eight. Such a good job. I yeah. don't think I can top that. Yeah, you might be able to. Don't. I'm website wise. I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> we could we could probably count the shirt as one. Yeah. 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 So. That's three. Okay. You know? And I did plug the 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 uh, celebrity show that I did. That's four. four. That's four. You yeah. still got a CD and a start, bunch of other things check. to go. Yeah, so you guys need to get a bell that yeah. you can ding. ding every time <laughs> yeah. that there's a plug. We do need a bell. Well, you know. Put it on the list. We're us to, I mean, that's something you can afford. Yeah, that's right? something you can afford the bell. The, the mixing board, that one was a stretch. But you won't even have to go on Craigslist to get the bell, I hope. <laughs> we, we might. The time that that happens, I know the budget. Maybe you might want to reconsider this whole thing. So off to your next whatever. Off to my next whatever. Oh, and I haven't been drinking hardly at all. I'm going to explain uh, that. Yeah, why, why is that? Um, drink. I offered old you man. so okay. much beer. Old man things started happening. You might hear I have like a rough kind of voice. It's yeah. kind of raspy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. People, when Pat McAfee started going on the Bob and Tom show, people initially, my friends thought it was me because our voices sound really similar if you don't see us. And then no one does anymore because he's, you know, he's super famous and I'm not. And he's yeah. been on the Bob and Tom show more in the past month than I have in my whole life. I've only been on it once. Well, you're, you're only, <laughs> you're only one third to the point where I have been and I've been doing it 23 years and I live here. What's that about? Come on. I don't, don't, we don't have a show for that one. Uh, about two and a half years ago, I'm finding that I'm coughing all the time. I mean like coughing and I got to talk like an hour you know, at a time by myself, some nights I have to do that twice. Occasionally I have to do it three shows in one night, an hour. And I'm like, I'm having a hard time. This is my nightmare. Like, you know, you have a nightmare, like everybody's got a nightmare that they can't do something for their job, you know? And a lot of comedians nightmare is, is all of a sudden they get up in front of people and they can't speak. Well, it was happening to me. So I go see a specialist and I find out I have this silent reflux and basically everything worth living in life was taken away from me. The pizza. Well, they everything. told me I, I haven't taken all that way, but okay. <laughs> I haven't alcohol, that alcohol, no. Soda, no. Um, caffeine, no. It's like I'm a Mormon, with, but I'm, I'm agnostic. You know, I'm an agnostic it's Mormon. Good thing drugs are still available. They are. Yeah. They are. That's I mean, good. kids you know, watching fallback. today, yeah. <laughs> you know, unfortunately the drug that of choice is Nexium 24 <laughs> that I have to take an hour before I do anything. So that's why I hardly ever drink, but I'm, you know, it's, it's, Don't kill it's yourself. three o'clock in the just, afternoon. I'll start it, drinking. It's, it can just be for show. Oh, it's good. Yeah. And I'll, you know, what is this beer? It's dogfish head 90 minute. Mm. It's quite delicious. It is quite delicious. Yeah. So if you're going to. If you're going to be coughing all night, why not? You're not, not going to do this off of natural light. No. Okay. Well, we might. That's okay. the next gag. Probably. <laughs> That's the next. As the well, budget depletes. Right. When you're using the bell. As the funds deplete. As we've got our Craigslist bell, we'll be drinking natural light. <laughs> um, so uh, I, always, I always have to know how people got started. And right. I, I know you have to have a, I mean, anybody who decided to be a stand-up comedian has to have an interesting story that yeah. led them that direction. 
Well, there's two parts to that. The first part would be a lot of people think, oh, you're a comedian, so you probably had a bad childhood and all that. Uh, not the case for everybody. It seemed like Jerry Seinfeld had a good childhood, and there's a few people like that. But most of the comedians with edge to them, I think the really funny ones, had a really bad childhood. It's true. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had a bad childhood to the point, the way I describe it is, my dad was so abusive that if I was female, I would have become a stripper, but I didn't have that option. So <laughs> I went stand-up comedy. Yeah, so I found a job where I'd work uh, at night on stage under the hot lights, and the, my pole is the microphone stand. So that's kind of the first impetus. I, you know, I would probably have been killing small animals or comedy was my choices at this point, and I found comedy was my my outlet. And so did I grow up wanting to be a stand-up comedian? No, I wanted to be, as I've told my friend Bob Kravitz, I wanted to be Bob, I didn't want to be Bob Kravitz. I mean, he's a miserable person. But <laughs> I wanted to be like someone I grew up with reading, okay? Like a sports columnist or something like that. So, uh, see, I'm out of practice even drinking that much beer. That's it's terrible. It's sad. So, I was a class clown, though. Okay, a lot, you might think every comedian is the class clown. Most of them are not the class clown. They're not. They're more, you got to be smarter than that. Like the idea that you're going to be the whoopee cushion guy and the guy that's going to uh, squirt ketchup on some guy's white pants and stuff. Hey, f hilarious at 16. Still kind of funny. Yeah. But you can't do that for 45 minutes. It's um, one thing I will share and I always share with people that are trying to be actual stand-up comedians if you're not smart you got no chance i'm not talking like you have to have a harvard degree that's probably too smart but you have to well, be there's different kinds of smart and there is very different kinds. yes of smart. Yeah. because i would think you would consider yourself smart but not not smart but not smart time. at the same time yeah. okay and i just talk in circles this is that's how okay. i'm sorry i have no you're no, I, I'm, I apologize You're for anybody great that's as dizzy. You're doing interviewee. Okay, yeah. thank you. And I feel like I'm doing the interviewing and the interviewing. Interviewees, not because of you. I take over. I apologize again. It's I'm like gonna, you're interviewing yourself. I don't even have to do anything. Right? Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, I know. So you, and people are like, look at this puss. Look how I'll much just drink beer. my beer, yeah. Just, well, I know. I'm talking. You could have blamed it on talking the whole time, and thank now you. people know. Thank you. Thank you. That you're old. And Josh shows up late, which is kind of his thing. Um, we could have got, got started without him. <laughs> you could have. And then you could have just came in. Maybe next time we do another one. That's the part two. All I would have had Bradley, to do is say, we'll okay, we're going. Roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I learned this from Frank Caliendo. When you do radio, don't let them talk. Because you got five minutes a lot of times. So just um, create good energy. I mean, if I could talk like other people, it would really help me out. I well, wouldn't. you can dial it in. I, I know you can dial can. it in. I saw you on Inside Indiana Business. And you, you were very direct, Respectful. on point. Gary Dick is a very great great interview were he is yeah, he so. is awesome he's actually doing the indie podcast next week nice okay he'll be on here next week how about wow that? he's really rocking it out we'll Another have to plug. do a little cross promotion yeah. here of that okay so uh i was so, terrible childhood yeah terrible childhood i was the class clown but i wasn't the class clown that um was trying to get you to shoot milk out your nose in at lunch not that i was against it i if I could, that'd be great. But I was more the kind that would take over your classroom. And I would do like, if uh, there was something, we were in history class was my favorite one to take apart. Uh, I would start doing <laughs> voices like of 
like, okay, the pilgrims come over and I'm doing English, uh, like voices while I'm reading from the prepared text to the point my senior year in high school, my history teacher got so tired of me taking over the class and making people laugh that she allowed me every Friday to do like five minutes at the end of class. Well, that's amazing. I thank Mrs. Adson. She's I like, I can't fight this. I'm going to yeah, go. She with was this. an inspiration yeah. to help, but I still went to college to be a journalist and all those kind of things. And I went to, I w I'd moved to Indianapolis cause my girlfriend that I met in college, her parents had moved to Carmel and I'm still with her. I'm the one comedian that's with their wife. That's remarkable. And it's not, that is impressive. I mean, it's yeah. impressive. I, sometimes it's depressive. <laughs> but I mean, my wife, my wife gets better looking every year, which makes it like, there's no way I'm going to do better. So if you're going to cheat on your girlfriend or your wife, you want to at least cheat on someone who's better looking than your wife or your girlfriend. I would think you would think, yeah, I can't do that. Or I you am, could go the other, Arnold Schwarzenegger did it the other direction. I'm not going to be that, but the, in that, and, and Clinton did too. Yeah. I mean, as much as Hillary people knock her. Listen, but, I have steak at home. I'm walking through the hamburger aisle. Yeah. A nice looking yeah. Hamburger patty, you know. True. Yeah. Okay. Are you trying to motivate me to yeah. <laughs> no, join I'm not. Ashton I'm just Madison? Saying. Is that what's I'm going on? I'm just saying that it could go the other direction. Okay. Your logic isn't sound. No. Yeah. And I've never based life on logic <laughs> being sound. I I, went, I got a college degree and then decided to be a do a job that didn't take a college degree. See, now that is sound. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I think that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you carry know what? On. For your for your generation, because how old are you, Josh? Do you I like to tell people? Thirty-three. Okay. Okay different generation we're basically um i, I grew think that, this beard to look older i and it works yeah. i think that is sound for you your generation my generation it made no sense it's like why would you do that i mean you went to college you're supposed to do go this direction do what you went to college for yeah hmm I know, isn't that that's, crazy? Yeah, that's a concept I'm not familiar with. <laughs> I don't think anybody I employ right. went to school for what they're doing for me. No. Or at school at all. No, I mean, and that's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's more of a free society, though not everybody can be an entrepreneur. I, I Maybe that's not the message you're trying to say. Here. No, I'm not, uh, we're not trying to say anything. Oh, we're okay. just no. telling people about other people's stories and really can, trying to identify where people messed up is, is kind of what we can, look can for. you cut that little make that your tagline i'm not trying to say anything show. <laughs> i'm not trying to say anything well that's what seinfeld claimed that there it was a show about nothing yeah and it's the most successful stand or i mean uh, sitcom ever maybe that could be your thing yeah it's left well, for your interpretation which it's like reading the book versus watching the movie i guess oh i like that yeah that's good yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I keep cutting you off. No, no, I'm no. I'm just got no. long in your ear. No, I know. <laughs> I, I just became. Uh, is that an act, active verb? I believe I am. I <laughs> you're the journalist. I yeah, don't know. I don't either. I don't know. So I go to a comedy club. At this point, I'm having no luck trying to get a job in journalism. There's no jobs in it. Still no jobs in it, but it was starting to happen at that point. Newspapers were cratering. I never thought I would go into TV. It wasn't, I didn't have TV hair, you know, it was just one of those situations. So, um, I'm at this point, I had applied to, uh, two jobs like, and this was the days when you would go to the newspaper to find jobs because there was no, the internet had not even started. Okay. For people, you know, there was no AOL disc 
Okay, that people were getting them. Do you, do you remember What's that? What's the hell will? Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't play that. Give me 33. You had one in high school. I need a few of those, by the way, so that we could make little um, coasters for the table. Uh, that well, would be great. Stuff. Yeah. Maybe What's get some CompuServe and, and just go all old school Earthlink. <laughs> but <laughs> so the two jobs I found in the paper that I thought I might be able to get were uh, to work as a uh, honey baked ham manager. Because the money was decent. But oh, it, what? Honey baked hams. Honey you know? baked ham. Okay. Yeah. I heard something completely. Oh, different. yeah. Pro- sound probably way better. <laughs> yeah. Honey baked ham manager, which I, I heard in from uh, about two weeks before Thanksgiving through Christmas, you work about 180 hours a week because, you know, that's when their whole business is, you know, people buying the hams. And I mean, and you're in that store. I mean, that had to just be, it's, it's, it's got to be a bad job. But I had to get a job. I grew up not wealthy. There was no money in my family. So, okay, that was it. Or I was going to be a manager of a, um, uh, like an orkin, like a bug sprayer guy, but like the manager. But I still would be having to consume all those fumes or yeah. whatever. That's Tam what my- fumes or bug fumes. Right, yeah. yeah. So those were the two jobs that were out there for me. I went to a comedy show, which I'd went to a couple before. It was in Broad Ripple. It was not Crackers at the time, but it's the same building. And I saw the three comics. There was always an opening act, a middle act feature, and then the headliner, the bigger act. I did not think the headliner was that funny, and I didn't think the opening act was very funny. I thought the middle guy was funny, but I'm like... Like a lot of delusional people, though, in the audience. I got it. Yeah. No, I they think they can yeah. do it. Yeah. That's so. This is how. So I met Alicia Wood on right. on sure. Bob and Tom. Yeah. I know. And we uh, we left the studio and we were like, hey, let's go grab lunch. We're eating lunch and bullshit. And I'm like, your story is so much like my story. Like it's very similar. In the, is she from the Pacific Northwest too? Yeah, she's from. Yeah, she is. She's okay. from I never Seattle. met. I, I don't think I met her, but I I know who she is. Go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, so it's just uh, it was it was striking how much a, a, a aspiring stand-up comedian's journey is is like an entrepreneur's journey. Oh, and that's really all I'm all I'm trying to say. So it is. You were delusional enough to think that you could be funnier than the people that were on I did. stage. Yeah, I did. And uh, the one thing I had at the start was uh, I was very capable of writing the material. Okay, I had a lot of funny material. The first time I even went up, was not a good performer though. I had no eye contact. You know, I grew up with this violent father that all adults I'm just like kind of scared of. And I was, I would pretend like I was confident by just being, you know, I could roast you. So that was my talent, I'd roast you. But unless I knew you, I wasn't even looking you in the face. I mean, it took me, eight or nine years of list looking into the abyss, which when you're on stage at a comedy club, you basically can only see the first two rows, but it built my confidence as a public speaker. Okay. And then look, I just, I met enough people and realized, okay, well this person is successful and you've run into this too. We're like, Oh, that person's successful. And you might be initially a little intimidated by their mm-hmm. success. And then you meet them and you're like, 
I don't know what miracle happened here that made them <laughs> successful. And then what the hell is going on with me who is not a success? That's the same thing that made you think you could get up on stage yes. in the first place. Yes, you have it. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to yeah. you've got to find your own personal confidence in yeah. some way. So that went to that. Then I would do a lot of uh, um, radio, uh, especially sports radio. I started doing. Um, I was friends with Ron Sexton, who is now famous for, most famous for being Donnie Baker on the Bob and Tom show. Uh, but before he was I ever was so that, stoked when he started following me on Twitter. Oh, no, no. That was and, great. Yeah, it is. Swear to God it was. Swear to God. <laughs> and I have three guys at work that just quote Donnie Baker all day. I'm like, how many times can you? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, he would say the same thing. Yeah. He doesn't get it, uh, but he's happy that it happened. Have you heard his Indiana State Fair advertisements? They're I have not. They're oh, they're using him? Oh, man, yeah. Oh, that is the, so the, great. The pork tent. Oh, my Indiana God, State yeah. Fair. Pork pistols and everything. <laughs> I swear to God. He, he was a really <laughs> funny, talented guy, but not confident at all. He was always the second banana, and he's not an, uh, an A-type person. He's not. He's not a type A person. He's a, um, he's just a good dude. Just a really nice guy. And he never, so his confidence level, I mean, was not there where he ever thought he was going to be the guy out front. If he was like doing sports casting, he was going to be on the C team, you know, on the Mm -hmm. weekend. If he was doing radio, he was the guy um, that would be the second Mike tops. And then he found this place and it took off for him. And this isn't his podcast or launch pad or whatever. We're calling no, it's this. fine. It's yeah. mine, whatever we're calling it. but it, it was way more, um, inspiring than anything I can offer. Just like that story about Ron, but Ron helped me, uh, get on one of the local sports radio shows. Cause he's like, you have such funny ideas. Let's have you on. That happened, and then Mark Patrick was the person at the time who was the most popular person in regards to being a sportscaster. There was a point where Mark Patrick in the 90s was um, a sportscaster uh, on the the TV, the biggest sportscaster on the most popular news channel. Uh, He was also the uh, on the Bob and Tom show, doing voices and doing some stuff on there. And then he would do like 20 call-ins across the country doing some of his voices. And then he was also the host of the Hoosier Lottery Show, which was the most successful lottery show in the country because they did it like a game show. And he was the host and he was funny. And so all this is going on then. He was, there's nobody in the market now that's was like him and probably never will be. And he kind of gave me his seal of approval. Then he started doing the National Fox Sports Morning Show. I was on there. I had created a friendship. Just created. We just worked together. (laughs) It wasn't like that duplicitous with Frank Caliendo. And Frank replaced Jimmy Kimmel, uh, who was doing the NFL and Fox till he got his own talk show. And Frank suggested me. Fox knew about me. And I started writing for him. So I'm out touring the country doing my crappy one-nighter gigs and things like that in some clubs. I'm about 12 years into this. And 12 then I start, years? Maybe maybe 11, but yeah. 
Yeah. That's 12 years, 23 years I've been doing this. Okay. And there's no uh, health insurance. I'm just like an entrepreneur there. Yeah. I pay for my health insurance, no paid vacation, none of those kind of things. No, no, no. It's all me. Yeah. It's all every week. It's on me to create something. People are like, do you have a manager? No, no, I don't have a manager. Well, why don't you get a manager? Well, if I lived in Los Angeles, it might serve a purpose because they might be able to get on me on TV. But a manager, if I live here, which I have a couple friends that have had man, you're just giving them 15% of what you probably can get yourself. So I'm just a one, you know, one shop, you know, one stop shop basically. And I've had to be that way for a long time and it, it wears you out. But the last three or four years it's gotten easier for me because I have went towards these corporate events and, uh, and I like doing them. I kind of can look the part, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, probably right age. Or, or, yeah, yeah. Jeans, jeans but suit. I mean, but I've got like a, a jeans you know, suit. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, I look like I reflect them. Like when you're 33, and you you're not a little more so now, but before it used to always be uh, the the head of the head was always like 50 or 60 years old of a place. Now we don't live in that world so no. much anymore. But uh, before it was that case when you'd ever go to the corporation event, they all were old, way older. That helps that I kind of looked apart a little more. I kind of grew into that. But I've grown out of a little bit. Like Thursday night, I'm at a comedy club. Old, old people aren't going to the comedy club on Thursday night. It's going to be ladies' night. It's going to be college ID night, whatever it is. And I've got to entertain people half my yeah, age. Yeah, you still have to be funny. Yeah, and not be like their dad, even though I'm older than some of their dads. Uh, I tell a story, which I will do again. Do it again. That's what I yeah, should tell do, that right? Story. When people say I tell, I never thought about that. I tell a story. Well, well, you're yeah, you're just you're, telling a story. You Why might as well you just roll that? into. I I struggle with that too. Mm, it's, it's, thank it's, you. God. Yeah. Maybe I learned something I won't do again though. Here. Yeah, maybe. I, I okay. I doubt it. You're right. <laughs> Old habits. So I'm in Lansing, Michigan. It's a college town, East Lansing. Um, three like really attractive uh, co-eds. This is about ten years ago though. Okay come up to me and they're like, Hey, you're really funny. Let's go out and drink at the bars. I'm like, like, that's really flattering, but I'm, I'm too old to go do this. That's a great idea. Well, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, okay. But okay, oh, there's I'm a sorry. part of me that was okay. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm just, and I am, I was like, it was a second show. It was already like 1230. I'm like, I'm just, and like, I'm like, just, I'm just too old to be going out to like, you know, a rave. You know, <laughs> drinks I, at the bar equal a rave right that's, well you know yeah but that's where they wanted to go it was like yeah. you know dance club and i'm like i'm just too old and they're like you're not you're not that old i'm like well how old do you think i am and they were at the time they were off by about eight years which is good okay and i'm like um no no i'm actually and at the time i was like 40 years old and the one goes Oh my God, you are old. <laughs> and the other one goes, my dad's a year younger than you. <laughs> and right then there was two things that worked there. First off, cool that they perceive me not being the age that they, that, and then at the other time it made me also realize I'm freaking old. So cheers to that idea, yeah. that story. And you're older than that now. Oh, and I'm, yeah, I'm another eight or nine years older than wow. that. I know it's, it's weird. I, I still am very attractive to young, attracted, 
not attractive. Attractive. I'm very to attractive young, to young women. No, I'm not, I'm not. I still am. I wish. There's that narcissism that you need to be an yeah, entrepreneur. That's, yeah. Hey, Peter Pan, get a hold of yourself there. No, uh, I'm attracted to younger women, but how I look at it is, is that I just look at them and go, oh my God, what kind of work would that entail? And I'm just too tired to ever consider it. <laughs> uh, my dog, uh, because people like parables and little stories. All the business people always are into that, right? Okay. Yeah. They always have some. Okay, so this happened. <laughs> My dog um, used to, ch- we had a big backyard and he was on an invisible fence and he would chase, we have a huge berm hill that goes way up in the back and awesome sl- sledding hill. And it was really cool. But he would chase the rabbits and sometimes he'd catch them on the hill. And whenever he'd see one, he'd just be like, you know how dogs get just like, yeah. Well, towards the end of his time on earth, it was about a month before we ended up putting him to sleep. He's outside. It's a beautiful day. And he sees a rabbit. His tail goes up. Not quite as firm and as high as it used to. <laughs> but it did go up. His body tensed up. And he looked right at it, stared at it. I mean, for a minute or two. And then just slouched onto the grass because <laughs> he didn't have it in him anymore. He could not chase that rabbit anymore. He didn't have the energy. I can relate with that at 33. Well, wait till you, yeah, you reach a certain, so the, there's a the point where you become an old dog and I mean, it's, it's okay. It's fine. You just, you have to hit other things. I told, uh, yesterday I brought my daughter to a softball game that she had and it was in Claremont, Indiana, okay, on the west side, not far from the track. It's where the Raceway Park, I think, is or something. And I'm driving in Claremont. The track being the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? No, there's one called the uh, IRP, right? Well, yes. it was, okay. uh, yep. yeah, Indianapolis Raceway Park, yeah, now O'Reilly not... Raceway Park, O'Reilly. now Lucas Raceway Lucas. Park. Now Lucas, okay, so it's, yeah, it's out on the other side of 465. And I was driving on this. I'm like, wow, this seems familiar. And then it dawned on me. I had not driven over this area in 18 years. And the last time I was there, I had paid my bookie 1200 bucks, uh, because I had lost seven out of eight, uh, NCAA tournament games. And I was a waiter slash comedian making them at tops, $500 a week with a gambling habit, with a real bad gambling problem. And, um, of course there was some, uh, pawn shopping, and some uh, begging of money from other people who had it to make my bookies payment. And that was the last day I had a bookie. And I'm thinking about it, and there's my daughter next to me, and I'm taking her to softball, and I'm like, it was good that I was an older dad because I was not ready to be a good dad at all at 31. Well, that's the title of your your CD. Yeah, it is. And yeah. Good dad, uh, good not, good dad a great not a dad. great dad. Yeah. And... Uh, there's lots of reasons for that, but it does fit in well that I realize that I don't know how anybody in their twenties are good parents. So let's hold on. You, you got me hooked at a bad gambling problem. That mm-hmm. shit like that always intrigues me. Cause I feel like I have a, a bad gambling problem with a lot of the stuff that I do for, you know, grin on in, in right. general, right? For I your gamble business. on all kinds of shit. Sure. And I'm like, eh, win. But I get to, I get to kind of control the bet. It's like I'm playing blackjack, really. You know, yes. I'm control the whole time. So, what, what? How did this start? Well, I liked sports. Like I never had a bad gambling problem with blackjack. I can walk away from a blackjack table. I can walk away from a craps table. 
but what I cannot walk away from um, is a bookie that gives you a credit line. <laughs> okay, you go to Vegas. This I, is I, why we don't get money from banks early on, guys. It's yeah, yeah. I agree. Not that but, you could anyway nowadays, but no. Yeah. But before two thousand seven, yeah, vet your investors as well. This right. is a la- this is a lesson in that. I, okay, I swear they're very similar. Yeah, it's very very similar. Yeah. Um, and it can happen even when you're betting on stocks and yeah. you try to you know you try to mm-hmm. you know you get your advance from Schwab or whoever, and you, you know you don't actually have the money, but they'll give. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to get in that. No, either. it's actually very, very similar. Yeah. yeah. So when you go to Vegas, you have to give them, if you're betting $500 on the Super Bowl, you have to have $500 to give them. You cannot, that's not a bad gambler. You're not a bad gambler when you're in Vegas. People not like the same. I know people. Well, you get markers in Vegas. Well, or, well anyway, if you reach that level. I'm cutting you off. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Or if you go to your credit card. Yeah, or that, or yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Okay, but if you're just bringing the cash, but with a bookie, I could bet 60 games during the week, and if it doesn't go well, I could be down $4,000, and I don't have the $4,000, but I got to pay them before. Now you're like, I think people think bookies are breaking people's legs and stuff. They're not. They're not in that business because they'd get busted. Yeah. Here's what they do. They know the addiction is so intense that that guy will come back to them. They'll get that money, but it might take a couple months, but they'll come back to him and get the money. The the bookies, though, have to kind of be together where they got to kind of gossip with each other and go, hey, don't take this freaking client here because he went through. There was a guy that played quarterback for the Colts way back in the 80s named Arch Schleister, and... um, great he had a great wife and all this stuff i feel bad worked with his wife yeah she's a great lady right and but he had his addiction was he went through every bookie pretty much in the whole state of indiana and then he went into ohio again and that's a problem obviously and eventually ended up in prison i mean this guy was the homecoming king meets the all-american quarterback played at ohio state was the first pick in the nfl draft how there's not been a movie or a documentary on him is mind-blowing to me it's way more interesting than uh, what you usually see but i guess bill simmons only does videos about people in the 90s or above not usually <laughs> beyond that or basketball because that's his interest so uh that was my gambling problem i had it and i finally just like you know my wife and i had I had basically a come to Jesus meeting about it and she helped me out, you know, but then it was like, okay, we, you, you can't have a bookie anymore. And I haven't, I haven't had one since now I will go March madness once a year. I'll book myself. I don't get any, uh, vacations. It's gotta be a working vacation, but mm-hmm. I can work in Las Vegas. You can't really, unless it's a convention or something. But or you you're trying to sell something. Yeah, somewhere. no, I work in Las Vegas all the time. Okay, you, yeah. you're not the best example. <laughs> I Damn lived it. in Hooters Hotel and Casino for a month of my entire life. Wow, okay. it was it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, that's not bad right at all. Right across from the MGM Grand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so I'd you're be like, not the yeah, ladies, you know where the MGM Grand is? Just just cross street, just right. cross street from that. <laughs> yeah. It is a little lower and <laughs> yeah, just a touch lower. Low, lower. Meet him at the lounge in the MGM, buy yeah. a drink there, and then. Take him across the street for dollar wings and, and nice and two dollar Bud Lights. Now yeah. that's another entrepreneurial uh, advice piece. If you're in <laughs> Vegas, go to the MGM. The quality's higher, 
then uh, try to, you know, you, you won't even you know need a fun? Uber driver. You know, what I say is that it really reminds me of home, which it truly did, really, because I, I, I didn't grow up here in the, in the Cornstock ghetto, but I did grow up in a very, very, very terrible, shitty, shithole town. Yeah, you did. And um, it just reminded me of home. No offense to Hooters Hotel and Casino. Yeah. So I'd be like, yeah, would you like to go to a place that reminds me of home? And Yeah, of course. It works every time. Then you'd hang out there as soon as the booze starts falling. Nobody cares where you are. Anyway. Yeah, I'm very uncomfortable around situations that are hoity-toity, and occasionally I do. And um, like one that, I, like Sunday, I'm up in Chicago this week, and I'm not going to promote where I'm at because that would be the stupidest promotion ever uh, to try to go somewhere. Like, hey, come on totally, out and see me in Chicago. Totally promote it in two days. Yeah, we just added to the list. We're, uh, we're at one, two, okay, three, yeah. four. Well, five. I'm in I'm I'm in Maryville at the Star Six. Plaza Ooh. Theater. Friday, Saturday, then, but then after the show Saturday, I got an opportunity, which is a little of your world, um, to Sunday, I'm going to, well, I'm going to drive after I get done with the show Saturday and drive to Cincinnati because at one o'clock I'm going to be hosting the, um, Jim Beam bartender of the top bartenders of Ohio event. Nice. And it's, yeah, it's going to be really cool. And, um, like four hours I'm going to do this. And, you know, I've already worked on, you know, the guy gave me some material and he's like, here's their Facebook pages. See if you can uh, stalk them and figure out how you can roast them a little bit while they're doing their thing. So I'm doing that event. Now that is a fun event. Okay. It's not like going and doing the Greenfield um, savings and loan, you know, and then you, Oh no, Jim Beam is amazing. We did the, I was fortunate enough to get to do the Jim Beam man cave when man caves did an episode of it. Uh, became friends with Fred No, who they were doing it for. They're great people. Holy. Yeah. I mean, oh, they, they've been. He gave awesome. my family a private tour of the of the distillery. The guy didn't have to do that. It was oh, that's so very nice. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it was th- incredible. That's like, and they're paying really well. So it's like <laughs> that's also a. That's giant very cool. Plus. No, no, it's very cool. But I mean, yeah. it's four hours. So, but still, I'm there. So that's great. But then, you know, like, I did this savings and loan group, uh, and it was in Ohio, right outside of Dayton. And I pull up to it uh, last winter and I driven driven like seven hours to get there because people think I take a lot of flights. I don't. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you do a lot of smaller communities because I'm still going to fly there. Then I'm going to have to still rent a car. And then it's it's not close. It's not like anybody's picking me up. I got to get there. And truthfully, I, I don't mind driving. It's a good way to kind of just like uh, uh clear my head and get my thoughts together and I have three kids at home so it's a nice escape well the Midwest is a great and and I'm going to relate you to this but yeah the, the, the Midwest is a great place for a physical product yes that's why I moved here and yeah. I mean you're a physical product but we're so close to so many things oh totally and I you know comedians that are in Los Angeles New York you would be like oh they, they're gotta they gotta really do a lot better financially no they don't no. uh the only ones that do really well are the ones that come here New York and LA pay you nothing to do comedy there because supply and demand. Yeah. There's tons of supply and there's very little demand. And then if you live in New York city, uh, where are you going to go East to do any more comedy? Not a lot of places. Nothing. Yeah. You have, you only have three directions <laughs> UK, to go. Man. We're here. I mean, we can name off all the cities that are within five hours here. It's yeah. remarkable. So that's a great place about doing this. It blew the shit out of my frequent flyer miles. Oh yeah. When you were in Washington, destroyed them. Yeah. you had basically only two directions. You could well, only one, one South. 
Well, none. No, because the next biggest city was Portland. Right. That was two hours away. And then the next biggest city yeah. was L.A. Which well, is San Francisco. Eh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay, okay. fine. Yeah. But but still, you couldn't go to Montana. There's nothing out no. there. You go up north, it'd only be Vancouver, and that'd be <laughs> yeah. it. No. I mean, yeah. It's and then there's no direction to go west because you're in the ocean. Yeah. Um, so I show up to this place in Dayton. It's a savings and loan, and I'm like, oh my god, what is this? And oh my god's right, it was a church, and it was like, wait a minute, did, I'm not doing a church, am I? Please and say you were. No. What? Well, well, then I'm like, I, so I'm like, I'm nervous. So I read, I'm like, okay, what kind of church is this? Maybe it's kind of like a very progressive <laughs> church. And they were like really Bible thumpy church because I Wikipedia them. <laughs> and, and I'm in the car and I'm like very nervous. So then I'm like trying to pull this up. Like, who is this? I don't even remember. Cause I had done like a bunch cause it was around Christmas and I'm looking and it was a savings and loan that had rented out the church. Okay. So then I'm like, <sighs> uh, but I, I'm still on yeah, this beer. I'm still on the uh, uh, the stage of the church, you know. So it's a little weird, but but I've I've went there too. I'm willing to do a church now. I did the Christian Associate Comedy Association. Another entrepreneurial in Atlanta. Tip. You got to be willing to do pretty much anything. just about. I've anything. done I've done strip clubs. Yeah, I did Brad's Gold Club when it still existed. I didn't do the Flamingo, the one on the West Side. That was early on in my career. And, uh, but I've reached a point where, yes, I, uh, I'm like Jim Beam. I have a lot of different products. Yeah. You want, you want your bourbon? I got your bourbon. I'm going to count that as a plug. Right. Yep. I have skinny girl too. We own that one also, which they do. So, uh, yeah, you've got to be versatile unless you're famous. You know, now if you're somebody that you're Doug Stanhope, you can say whatever you want and you've got your audience that will show up wherever. Awesome. Great. He only needs 4% of America to like him at all. 95, 96% of America can hate his guts. At what point does that, that set in? I've always wondered that. I don't know. I wish I, I tried for f- 17 years to, to, to be that person, to have an audience that would embrace me. And it was just like not enough, not enough. It was just like, oh, he's funny. But I had to have a personal story to connect on a different level. Have you found since you've started diversifying more that it has helped in in that regard? Well, what helped me diversify? Because I see a lot of more of you. I don't yeah. know, you know, no, no, know no. If that's just me. No, no, you're know. right. There, there's some of that. Um, I've become more of a local presence. I was more of a presence in 44 states. And once again, having kids and stuff and just the bottom line, I'm like, I want to focus on 15 or 20 states. You know, the just ones took that it. approach with our business. It, I mean, th- you kidding me? This shit ties together so it well. It does. Yeah. And, and But it took me a longer, lot longer time than you to do that. Uh, what I would suggest with it is, is that we go back to the one-man show when you, you met me uh, last summer, I think it was, probably. Might about this time. longer than that, was it? No, it was about last about time. About a year ago? Yeah. yeah, it was about a year ago in August. Um, but three years ago, I wrote a whole sh- show about my daughter's autism and the plan was to take it and use it as a fundraiser to raise money for special needs charities. But look, I can't afford to just be altruistic. I've also need to make money in it myself. Right. And uh, nonprofit just means that you can't make well, a profit. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Okay. So <laughs> I feel badly though. No, no, you're right. I. That's I'm, how I'm, you I'm have serious. to be. You shouldn't feel badly. It, but I'm I serious. still kind of do. It's weird. I'm just like okay. So 
I tried that for about a year and a half, put a lot of effort into it, created a really great website. It's an autism thing.com. Write that one down. That's, That's another. another one. Boom. Yeah. Became Say a very popular. Say it again. It's an autism thing.com. And it's basically the story of my daughter and my journey, uh, you know, through her and our family's journey with autism. And it became a very popular website to a degree and um, well over 100,000 hits and all these kind of things. But you, couldn't, you can't monetize a website pretty much. It's nearly impossible. It's got to go way more than 100,000. Then the other element that, that I was hoping was I would do these fundraisers and maybe I'd make 30% of it and then, you know, that, you know, maybe 40% and the other, and they were all fine with that. But what I just, my, dis, my discovering thing that was very sad was it took me over a year to figure it out. These charities, the people that run them for the most part, there are a couple exceptions. They like their jobs easy. They don't put any effort into it. There's no bottom line to it. They just, they just show up. Yeah. And they do a little bit. I was asking them to go a little outside of that. It's shocking. It really is because yeah. it's not a because business. I know exactly. It's, it, it's, it's very like, governmental. It, it's very governmental. Yeah. And, and then the other part of it was I was also trying to get people to come to my shows who had kids with disabilities. Well, not only do those people have no time to ever get away, they don't have anybody to watch their kids. I know these things. These things happened with me and my daughter. And then the third part, they, have, they don't have any money to even buy my CDs online or my T-shirts or whatever. It was a terrible business plan. <laughs> it came from the heart. <laughs> terrible business plan. And I finally was like, okay, about a year and a half ago, I'm like, that was it. I did the last time I ever did one for a group like that. 95% of the people at this show were my fans. I did all kinds of promotion. No one showed up from the charity except for the one person to get the check. And I'm like, this is a bunch of crap. I busted my ass to get this happening. I did TV. I used up radio spots because you can only do TV or radio so many times mm -hmm. each year, you know, maybe twice a year uh, on most of the shows. So I used them all up. All my fans came out. It was a successful night. People were crying, leaving because uh, not only I did stuff that was pretty emotional, but a, there was a kid who's like a, a magician from Louisville who has autism. And it was just like magical, beyond magic, what he did. And then a guy that's in a local band called the Breakdown Kings, his uh, daughter, uh, Cammy, who he does at a big event for every year, he did this like five minute kind of like spoken word thing that was just like, I mean, it was super connective. Everybody in there was like blown away. This was the most incredible show I've ever been part of in regards to emotion and laughter and everything. And people were like dance on air. And I'm like, no one, no one put any effort into it besides me. I, I can't do this every, I cannot top this. And this was the peak of what it was. So I got a little angry about it, but then I'm like, you okay. get angry about it. This, this is this is also important to business. Yeah. You have to you have to put forth, um, well, you have to put forth what you want back, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm going to get you a book called The Go Giver. Okay. And you're going to read it in probably an hour. You're going to love it. It's Good. amazing. And so I, I always try to bring a book into the mix. I think I've recommended this one Great. three times now, but it's a, it's an outstanding book, and it's a, you know. This didn't do anything for necessarily what you wanted. 
But right. listening back, listening me listening to it, I know it did something. Oh no, no, no! I yeah. wouldn't. I would not uh, reverse anything that I did up into that point. Because if I wouldn't have even taken it to that final show, I wouldn't have experienced, which I think is the most magical show I've ever been part of. But at that point also, I realize uh, I'm chasing my tail on this one. I'm getting no closer. Yeah. Uh, it was it was also a, um, you know, hey there moment where it's just like, okay, the epiphany happens. And this one, this part of my career is over. It's time to go to the next one. Um, I'm not leaving comedy but I'm leaving this one behind. If you want to contact me, I'll go do that show. And I've done that two or three times, you know, for a fundraising event where they pay me and I don't put the effort in to try to bring the people <laughs> there. I get it. That's fine. So the next step was I started pursuing the corporates more. And then it was like, okay, I started working with some people and I never give out like you, you mentioned that I helped you, but I never tell anybody uh, names of anybody that I've helped, you know, Look, I've helped a lot of the people that do my celebrity stand-up you can, show. You can say you helped me if you ever want a testimony Thank you. or anything. Yeah, that's great. And, yeah. and and there's a couple other people that have said that too. The celebrity stand-up show that I started like, doing. Normally, I'm really funny, but Scott helped me a little <laughs> bit. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how I'm concerned about. But. That's a great testimonial. Yeah, it's like, oh, I helped him totally. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't bit. be. I would be nowhere. Oh, well, yeah, maybe tone yeah. that one down a little bit. I, I saw we'll you find a middle ground. I saw you on Hammer and Nigel, the podcast, before I worked with you. And I'm like, wow, this guy's like shockingly good because I watched it because of Nikki. You know, Nikki was my Nikki friend. Nikki made the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah really. Oh, yeah. Bring a hot redhead anywhere. Totally. Yeah, it gets better. Uh, he. Uh, so I end up like starting to work with these celebrities who are TV people and radio people. And you'd think, and they're, they're newspaper people, but they're like columnists and stuff that are funny. You'd think, Oh, well they would be good at this, but it's a whole different muscle. It is. And I helped them. And then I'm like, you know what? And then I had a few other people like yourself that reached out to me and like, Hey, would you want to, uh, or could you help me with this? And I'm like, yeah, I, w- I would love to, if we can find a time and here's what it is. And, uh, and every person that's done it has said to me to different levels, this was really totally worth doing because you think about, you bring in these consultants. You're like a CrossFit instructor for business and life. Really? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Write that down. Not for <laughs> my bonus, but I want to, I want to put that in there yeah. on my page at the bottom line comedy.com. But look, I've done this for 23 years. I know what I'm doing. I go in front of audiences who don't know me. Yeah. Don't think that, you know, I'm famous person getting up and getting in front of people. Yeah. I have to earn people's trust every time I get up on stage. Sometimes more than others, but... It's an outstanding business idea. It really is. Well, people... How many times have you been to like a Rotary Club or a, or it's like some motivational speaker comes in and within five minutes you're like, hmm... I'm bored. I'm on Twitter. I'm... BS. This email. is a bunch of crap. Yeah. I don't buy what he's saying or she's, she's quoting things from the internet or yeah. like she got it from other person's book. It's There's like, no, it's not real. No. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to sell is the real part of it. Um, your message is exactly the kind of thing. If you would have told me your story and you weren't telling your story, mm-hmm. I would have been, here's what you got to do. You got to tell this story. This is amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. You already do that. You also happen to be in a business, though. If you say something like what you've had happen to you, 
you're not working with the Jehovah Witnesses. Okay, you can be a little more. I've uh, progressed beyond that, though. I really because that's kind of the premise of this show is that okay. it's, it, 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 it things are. I think they are changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm in the middle of it. I, I'm yeah. down in the ditch a lot of times. I don't necessarily see what's going on, but I feel a movement coming, and it is it is to be more real. It is, which is outstanding, and it feels good. And I, I and I think that's. Uh, I I think that comes, and I discuss it on the website, which I've discussed with people also. There's a, uh, I, reality shows are not real. Okay, no, I have friends so that write yeah. on those shows. Mm-hmm. Every show that like the big ones from, um, you know, I don't even want to name them all, but they they are they're scripted. Right. But the concept of something being real and feeling real now makes people push away from a lot of entertainment that used to be like sitcom and stuff and didn't feel real at all. People don't buy into that anymore. I mean, the most successful sitcoms are shot like documentaries now from a modern family to the office, to all those things. Yeah, always sunny. Right. Yeah. That seems real. Even if it's, it's not real, if it doesn't seem real, people don't buy it. And the same goes with how you put things out. Now you cannot be politically incorrect on almost anything now. Okay. Meaning if you make a comment, Donald Trump's getting crushed right now for certain things that he said, if those politically incorrect things would have came out of his mouth um, or come out of his mouth, but they would have been about him. People would have not only went, Oh, well that's kind of crazy, but boy, give me more. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, it's about being vulnerable. Right. It is very much about being vulnerable. I learned that from the one man shows. You know, mm-hmm. I've learned that I could talk as a stand up comedian, but when I did the one man shows, I learned I can be serious here for a minute and people actually enjoy it more. I mean, are the, f- are the best dramas have no funny in them? No, a drama should have a little bit of funny. And now what we're finding is, is the best funny has a little bit of drama with it. Cause that's life. We're yeah. reflecting life and you and your um the sense that people have for you and you're being trustworthy to them if you share a little bit of what your life is like the person at work you work with are you going to share more with them yeah yeah okay and who are the people that you trust the most your family not always. No, absolutely. But I mean, there's a couple people in your family. Okay, a couple maybe. Yeah. All yeah, right. A Usually couple. a couple. Yeah. And then there's like maybe a, a friend you've known forever that you trust because they got you got some you got some dirt on them. They got some dirt on you. You guys feel cool. You can share stuff with them. Yeah. If it's, and I think that's uh, twenty years ago and thirty years ago and forty years ago. I, I think about back to the World War II veterans that. No one knew hardly any of their stories. They never would say a word about what happened. Right. It Vietnam was... changed a little bit. Now a Gulf War guy comes back or um, somebody comes back from Iraq. They're telling you their crap, you know, and that's just what it's about and probably healthier that they are. But it, it just it's a generational force. And I couldn't agree with you more that there is a change. It's already happening. Um, I call it being like Charles Barkley because Charles Barkley is like the most popular sports announcer there is. When they do Q ratings, he goes off the charts. And that guy has no filter about anything. Right. But he brings himself into it, and he's funny. Okay, now, 
the big mistake that so many people that work with people in regards to being funny or comedy, being a comedy coach, being someone just to try to work with people with humor, is they all try to make, I'm not going to try to make you like Scott Long. I do a podcast with Mitch Daniels, the best governor the state's had. Okay. And I didn't even vote for him as I told him. I'm like, uh, I'm like, hey, when he's, when I first met him, it was at the Bob and Tom studios and he's like, uh, Oh, you write for TV. And, um, you know, I think you could probably maybe be some help to me. Maybe sometime would you be interested? I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah, I would love to just as long as you realize I didn't vote for you. And he's like, he laughed, probably made him all these sycophants that are always kissing his butt. All of a sudden somebody was honest with him. He's, and he said, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think it said something like, well, um, I have friends that, uh, that didn't vote for me too. And, and that's where it started. But what I would explain to, about him is you would not think of him as a stand-up comedian type. He's a very kind of straight-talking dude. Yeah, uh, as most governors. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, he's really bright. Um, but he's got like a Bob Newhart sense of, of, of funny. He's dry funny. Now, I have not worked with him. I wish I would have gotten a chance before he went on The Daily Show. But um, he, he's funny. He's a funny. Everybody that knows him knows he's funny, but he's a dry funny. Would I try to make him this or make him like, you know, uh, Bill Burr or make him like Louis C.K.? No. You got to find what you're good at and what makes you funny and shape it. If I were to try to say it, it would be you're, you, you try to help people be more themselves. A better that version of themselves. Strange, no, a better it, version it's, of themselves. It's more themselves. A more entertaining version of themselves. Yeah. I do not want to make you, and I did this when I taught stand up with uh, uh, people. I ask them, who's your favorite comedian? And they'd be like, oh. And they would tell me, and I'm like, okay, it just helps me understand what you think is funny. And uh, sometimes it would reflect who they really actually were themselves, and that's cool. That would be good. And then some other times, you know, you'd have some, uh, you know, some nerdy white kid that would be like, Jeff well, Foxworthy. Well, no, I want to be Chris Rock. <laughs> well, no, you're not going to be Chris Rock. You might, uh, I'm glad you like Chris Rock. Yeah. I like Chris Rock too, but you're not going to be Chris Rock. Uh, so maybe you need to get a better feel for who you could be. And you might not even think that person's particularly funny. And I'm not telling you to do their act, but you got to have a vision of who you are. If you're a band and you're like, we're totally original. We have no influences. Right. Come on. There's nothing totally original coming out of music in forever. I mean, well, who's your favorite comedian? Bill Burr's the best comedian in America now. I mean, he dominates the stage. He's just like, he blows things up. I love his muffin bit. That's It's amazing. I put toothpicks in a bunch of muffins yeah. in our lunchroom the other day. Yep. And I put muffin protection and tweeted it at him. He never responded, but I no. thought it was hilarious. No, it is. It's you hilarious. that fucking muffin with a toothpick in it, you're going to regret it. That, and he's also got that Boston voice that is just funny. Okay. Um, there's... you. You've got to be who you are, but that's the great thing. Just comedy and music are similar in that there's not just one path. You know, you're not, not everybody's a techno band and not everybody's a rock band and not everybody's a, there's different paths you can take. And the same goes with comedy and your voice. If everybody was like banging you over the head comedy, that'd be too much. But then if everyone was Mitch Hedberg or Stephen Wright, that'd be too little. 
you, you go see them, you love it, but would you want to see somebody that was just like him before and then the opening act be just like that? Maybe. I mean, I guess people go to Ozfest and they think that that's good. But I like a little. I like a little variety, man. Maybe. I like a little variety. So, let's, let's so that's what I do at Bottom Line Comedy when when I work. Wait, with what you. do you do at Bottom Line Comedy? I directly work with you. I find out. I listen to like you tell me like your most traumatic story or your most interesting story. I don't want it to be funny. I just want to know. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, let's see how we can make this part. Of, of just like who you are about because where do you, you don't learn from the great triumphs of your life. You're the, one of the greatest examples I've ever met of this. And that is you learned from the most traumatic moment or moments that could have possibly happened to yeah. almost any human being on the planet. It was like midnight express for the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Next to, yeah. Next to, dying i mean it was yeah. it was real close it, it was, was really close <laughs> yeah. you're that close and so it informs what you're about it's yeah it, it did build a lot of character instantly and not only character it gave you like a, a kind of a path of the way you were going to live your life after that right i mean on some no, levels no not really it just made me not afraid to okay but yeah. that's that that's the thing. We're often so afraid to try this or that. I mean, yeah. you just, you got a second lease on well, life in your, well, in did you your, see the I mean, light? Like, you know, when people die, <laughs> they've been, they've been, I did. Actually. You kind of, you must've seen I the did. light. It was a golden colored pitcher of beer filling through the bottom. <laughs> I'm, I'm not fucking joking. It, it's, I have a thing. Called, it's, it's called having the screen up where I, right. I can't see anything else, but, it, but what I see in my head, can't see the room, can't see anybody around me, can't hear anything else in my head. That's all I can see pitcher beer filling through the bottom and so that was the my tunnel it was like it hit me that was the tunnel light like a lightning bolt hit me right in the upside of the head and uh but your i mean if i'm going to chime in on this at all I, I would say that it's the key to success is what you teach it really is you you really scott long teaches the key to success now whether or not people can embrace that and utilize it that's a whole nother issue the, the great thing but that's being, happened so far is being is, vulnerable and yeah, honest i um I'm not having anybody that hasn't. That's the great part so far. I'm not saying that you don't need a SWAT team in your face. I I don't don't need it. No, no. Instead it's, it's kind of fun and it's, it's a little therapeutic what I'm doing because, uh, and that parts, that's parts cool. And as you can see, I'm not like, uh, I'm not your Bob Knight kind of Bill Belichick kind of coach who's, not going to be positive about what's happening. I mean, I'm positive, yeah. but I'm irreverent in the way I want to do. I want to find your way of being irreverent, but that fits you. Okay. And, um, the thing I think we both are totally hundred percent on board is when you said, I do think there's a movement away from people being so fit the business yeah, mode. black and white 50s and making white. pie wife's at home right. yeah it's not and, that that's not it and, at all and, and then but the pc world that's covering us up how are you going to stand out versus everybody else that's out there be, trying to be an entrepreneur or whatever they're trying to do to me the best thing you can do is to be a unique person everyone's unique on some level find that part that's unique about you and the best way to ever communicate being unique is telling something funny and truthful about yourself. Couldn't agree more. Okay. And on that. on that note, 
the beer table and the wall, really. Oh, the, and the it wall, looks so probably. great. That and you've got <laughs> that's the place that you totally have over you know any podcast is is the visual element. To them, that's exciting. Yeah, it's nice. It's like when you do. So what got you here? Get one. <laughs> 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 